Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. Psalm 116, not by coincidence, but by the providence of God, I believe, this morning before the nation celebrates Thanksgiving, Psalm 116 is a Thanksgiving psalm. I did not plan to preach it at this time. It just so happened to fall in the time that it's being preached. It appears that the psalmist had been delivered by God out of some mighty trouble. How great that trouble was may be gathered from the telling language which he describes in verse number three. In verse number three, he says, the snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. But while in this terrible situation, he directed his thoughts heavenward and looked for help where he had found help, before. He did not look in vain because verse number 8 says, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my cry. He's heard the voice of my supplication. He, he inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. His love for the Lord does not spring from an innate ability to obey the law. Though the Shema commands him to love God with all his heart and with all his strength and with all his soul and with all his mind, it gives him no power to do so. He loves the Lord because the Lord has heard his cries. Stoop down to listen and rescued him from his distress. Brothers and sisters, he loves God because God first loved him. Psalm 113, 14 and Psalm 115 might have allowed nominal peripheral worshipers to grab a free ride and clap and stand and raise hands just because you are in the midst 
of the great congregation. But Psalm 116 shakes off religious parasites. If you are in here this morning and you are just raising hands and singing and clapping because you are in the great congregation, Psalm 116 shakes off the nominal peripheral parasitical worshipers who are just in here hanging on to our praise. It separates, Psalm 116 separates the active participants from the people who are real worshipers by switching from we to I, from us to me, from second person plural to first person singular, declaring that God's salvific work must be realized not just corporately, but individually. In Psalm 116, you can't hide in the crowd. You got to come out in the open and declare that I love the Lord because he heard not my neighbor's cry, not the person sitting next to me, not my mother, not my father, not my brother, not my sister. God heard my cry. God inclined his ear unto me. He heard the voice of my supplication. Brothers and sisters, we go through life as Christians seeking to hold on to God's promises, but then trouble comes. Small or great, at work or at home, touching health, wealth, and family. We pray and hope, but the troubles increase. We try to rest in God's promises, but anxiety overwhelms trust. And because we have no peace, we mistakenly believe that we have no faith. But beloved, Unbelief is easy. Faith in an unseen God is hard. Because when you lay hold of him by faith, he lays hold of you and then he puts your faith to the test to see whether or not it is really genuine. Anybody can believe God when the Lord gives. It takes strong faith to trust God when he takes it away. I wish I had a witness here. Abraham waited on God's promise from the age of 75 till 100. He tried to help God. He and Sarah tried to help God with his handmaid Hagar and had this boy named Ishmael, but Ishmael was not God's promise. God waited until all hope was gone. He waited until Abraham was past his age sexually and Sarah was way past the age of bearing a child. Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90 and God 
comes and Sarah is pregnant. When the angel tells her that she's going to have a baby, Sarah falls on the floor laughing because she knows that Abraham ain't got it no more. And if he did, it wouldn't do her any good because she's way beyond her childbearing years. She's on the floor kicking her feet in the air laughing. And God says to the angel to ask Sarah, why is she laughing? Is there anything? I wish I had help to preach it. Is there anything too hard for God? Sarah has this baby. Abraham goes everywhere with Isaac on his shoulder, takes him to the barber shop, takes him with him when he goes to play talk. He takes him with him when he goes to play dominoes. Everywhere he goes because he's bragging. You see what I can do at my age? And God tells him, take your only son. Take your uniquely born son and take him to a mountain that I will show you. And when you get there, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. I wish I had a Bible reader. And the scripture says, on the way there, Abraham tells his servants to stay here with the donkeys while me and the boy go up yonder to worship. He's going to take Isaac's life, he believes, and he calls it an act of worship. Because if God gave him Isaac, God is going to do something to keep Isaac from being taken from him. Abraham does not know what God is going to do, but he trusts in God's promise. While they are on the way up Mount Moriah, God's blessing is coming on the other side of Mount Moriah. And while they are going on the way up to Mount Moriah, Isaac says, Father, I see the wood. I see the fire. But where is the sacrifice for God's offering? And Abraham with a lump in his throat says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the offering. While they are going up, the lamb is coming up the other way and when they get there, Abraham is about to come down with his knife and God sends an angel to catch his hand and say, Abraham, now I know that you fear God. Somebody ought to help me talk here. Sometimes God's got to take us right up to the brink of the circumstance. God has got to take us right to the edge of the cliff. And just when we are about to fall over, God says, now I know that your singing has not been in vain. Your praying has not been in vain. Your preaching has not been in vain. You actually believe what you say. And somebody in here ought to help me testify this morning that God will let you live long enough to see whether or not you believe everything you say. Because you can talk about how good God is when the sun is shining, but when the rain starts falling, can you still come to church and clap your hands? Anybody can say God is a mother for the motherless while your mama's at home cooking dinner. But when mama is sleeping in a cold grave, can you still say God is good? All the time and all the time. God is good. Yeah. 
In verses 12 through verse 16, the psalmist communes with his own soul and, and, and considers how he may most effectually prove his gratitude for God's timely deliverance. We who are sensitive souls and really attuned to what God is up to and what God is doing in our circumstance, that's some self-talk that we do to our souls when we get discouraged. And, and discouragement is also for the Christian. Not just unsaved people get discouraged. People who love God have seasons of depression. People who trust in God's promises still have days when they can't seem to get it together. I wish I had one or two honest believers in here who can help me testify I love God, but when I get sick sometimes. I love God and look like I'm not going to be able to put one foot in front of the other. I love God, but I struggle with my faith a whole lot of times. I struggle. I believe, but I need God to help my unbelief. I trust God, but sometimes I don't know where God is taking me. And I want to follow, but I want to get in the bed and just pull the covers up over my head. I want to give God glory, but there are days when I just don't have it to tell God thank you. It's in that time that I need to do some soul talk. And just encourage myself and pat myself on the back and just tell myself, you're going to make it. Everything's going to be all right. It might look dark right now, but the morning is going to come. It might seem like nobody understands you, but God made you and he knows all about you. It may look like you might never get on from under this dark cloud, but if you keep on trusting, if you keep on praying, if you keep on going to church, if you keep on reading your Bible, if you keep on getting up in the morning, if you just keep around some folk who got faith, God will make a way out of no way. And if God doesn't come through in the time you think he should, just be with some people who got a testimony of their own. shall I render? What shall I give God back for all his benefits toward me? God is a bountiful giver. The psalmist was not one of those people, those thoughtless and indifferent people who pass through life receiving, enjoying, and expecting without bestowing. Many of us are good at receiving and enjoying and expecting gifts without ever bestowing thanks to the bountiful giver. On the contrary, the psalmist 
is overwhelmed by the magnitude and the multiplicity of God's benefits to the degree that he scarcely knows how to express his gratitude. The language he employs is that of a man perplexed, bewildered, and overcome. Hardly knowing what to say or how to act as it relates to God's benefits. What shall I render for his benefits, great and small, temporal and spiritual? All of them are unmerited and free. God's blessings laid upon him an obligation of debt that he could never hope to discharge. Brothers and sisters, few of us are thankful enough for the commonplace blessings that surround us because we have come to expect to have these things. You, you, you are not as grateful, I think, as you ought to be for a house because you've always had one. You, you, you're not as thankful for food because you, we throw away more food than most people in third world countries eat in an entire year. So, so we are not as prone to be thankful for things that we have because we expect to have those things. We do not know what it is to be without them. We, we see no prospect of being deprived of our material blessings. But this morning, let our hearts be touched with the remembrance of something that is not something we can taste, touch, smell, hear, or experience with our physical senses. Why don't you thank God for mercy you've experienced? Why don't you thank him for sins that have been forgiven? Why don't you thank him for snares he helped you escape. Thank him for protection you have received. Thank him for all the precious proofs of his goodness that you can't put in your hand, but you know that you have them because you woke up this morning. Beloved, our share of God's benefits, our share of God's benefits, listen, may not be as complete as we desire, but it is much more than we deserve. His blessings towards us may not be as complete as we desire, but it is way more than we deserve. Realizing that God knows best, let none of us question or complain. Let us see in the distributions of benefits a divine assignment of mercies and blessings because God knows what will bless one person will destroy another person. God has perfect knowledge of what we need. Wealth might be for some of us a curse. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play the lottery until it's about a hundred million 
two or three hundred million or two billion dollars. Uh, I, I called one of the deacons the other day when the lottery was 2.2 million. And I said to him, if you miss me from preaching down here and you can't find me nowhere, I won the lottery. So I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get into it unless it's an exorbitant amount, like I can't use a million. But, but God knows that wealth would be a curse for me. Because I'm a fool broke. Can you imagine how ignorant I'd be with some money? Some of y'all ought to help me say amen here. God knows what's best for us. And so to keep me preaching, he got to keep me broke. Good health might rob me of the necessary discipline that suffering brings. One person's loneliness is meant to make them introspective and spiritual and that person's adversity will teach them humility and compassion. You don't know what storm in your life is going to bring out the best in you. Um, during, the, during the gold rush, in a town called Sonora in Northern California. In Sonora in Northern California during the gold rush, this man was pulling his, his mule's cart up this steep incline and he stumbled over a stone. That stone had perhaps been in the way, that, that obstruction had been in the way I'm sure for some time because other people had stumbled over it and just kept right on walking. But this man in this, in this mud stumbles over this stone and to keep somebody else from stumbling over it, he picks it up, moves the obstruction out of the way, takes it with him, put it on it, puts it on his mule cart, takes it home, washes it and cleans it because he just wants to put it aside only to discover it's a 25 pound solid gold rock that he never would have found if the stumbling hadn't happened. Not only if he had not stumbled over it, but if the storm had not washed it up. And you don't know what God wants to wash up in your life through some storm in your circumstance that you stumble over. Pick it up. It might be solid gold. Job says, when he has tried me, I wish I had a Bible reader, I shall come forth as gold. The psalmist said it was good for me that I had been afflicted that I might learn your statutes. The steps of a good man 
ordered by the Lord. And sometimes those steps takes us through trials and setbacks, hurt and pain. Don't just thank God for the good stuff in your life. Thank God for the storms that happened in your life. Don't just thank God for the folk who love you. Thank God for the folk who lied on you. Don't just thank God for folk who's been good to you. Bless God for folk who've been no good to you. Because the folk who've been good to you have helped you, and the folk who's been no good has helped you. Because all of it has helped you to see that all things work together for good. Have I got a witness here? No weapon sown against you shall be able to prosper because that Negro who thought he was going to bring you down, God is just raising you up. That enemy who thought you'd never make it, look how far God has brought you. Stop crying about what you don't have and who walked out of your life. Thank God for who stayed in your life. God is a bountiful giver. And God being a bountiful giver makes us grateful recipients. Um, verse number 13 says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. The psalmist asks, what can I give and he answers that question by further saying, what can I take? We do the Lord a disservice if we are effervescent about his secondary gifts and leave his primary gifts on the table. The first element in all praise and worship is to take the richest gifts the Lord is offering to us. Listen. Love gives because it delights in giving. Let me say that one more time. Love gives because it just delights in giving. When a person is loving, it brings them joy to be a giver. You might take from that what I'm about to say now. Stingy people can't worship. Tight people can't worship. Folk who can't open their hands to give will never be able to receive anything with a grateful heart because they're always thinking somebody's trying to get over on them and somebody's trying to take advantage of them and somebody's trying to misuse them. Just give out of the goodness of your heart and if the person doesn't even turn around to say thank you, God will bless you because your heart was in the right place. Love gives because it delights in giving. Love gives because that is the true expression of itself and it blesses not only the one giving but the recipient. And the keynote of the highest and happiest life 
is a life filled with thankfulness. Brothers and sisters, a Scottish preacher of another generation named Samuel Rutherford constantly referred to himself as a drowned debtor to God's mercy. A drowned debtor to God's mercy. He was always drowning in God's mercy. And so it always made him thankful. I, I do not believe that there are any degrees of sinfulness. I think all unrighteousness is sin. But if there is such a thing as a sin that really makes God more angry than other sins, I believe is the sin of ingratitude. I, I think people who are ungrateful really disturb God. Because what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you possess that God hasn't helped you to attain? As a matter of fact, you couldn't even have gotten in here this morning if God didn't get you up. And then God could have got you up and you didn't even know where you were. I wish I had somebody to help me. Somebody here this morning is grateful that you woke up and you knew where you were. You were able to dress yourself. Nobody had to bathe you. Nobody had to feed you. Nobody had to drag you. You just got in here this morning because God woke you up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You ate Monday. You ate Tuesday. You ate Wednesday. You ate Thursday. You ate Friday. And then you ate again Saturday. You dressed Monday. You drove Monday. You shopped Monday. You slept Tuesday. You were happy Wednesday. You were grateful Thursday. You got a check Friday. You had health and strength Saturday. How dare you let Sunday come and not tell God thank you? I'm trying to quit here. But I need somebody like me who's drowning in mercy. You are drowning in God's goodness. You are drowning in God's blessings. You are underwater in God's patience. You are really drowning in God's long suffering. You are underwater when it comes to God's faithfulness. You have to decide what to put on this morning. You got to make up your mind what you're going to eat when you leave here after church. God's been so good to you that if he doesn't do another thing in your life, you got shoes you don't know where to wear them. You got clothes and nowhere to go. You got money that you haven't even spent yet. God got you out of debt. God put you on a solid rock. God made your enemies your footstool. Thank you. I got, 
I got one more little thing to say here. But I'm going I'm to go on and cut across the field. Um, we preachers know something about cutting across the field. When you got more sermon than you got time, you cut across the field. So let me cut across the field because I got more sermon than I got time. And just tell you one or two more things and I'm going to leave you alone. Praise. Praise. I'm, I'm cutting across the field now. Praise is the rent you pay on blessings that you haven't even received yet. I'm cutting across the field right now. You haven't even got the raise yet, but you're praising like you got it. You haven't been healed yet, but you're still shouting like you got it. Your child hasn't been delivered yet, but you're still praying like you got it. Your breakthrough hasn't come yet. Hey! But you're still telling God, thank you. Like you already got it. That's what praise is. It's rent. That you pay for blessings. That you haven't even received yet. And if you're going to pay rent on blessings that you haven't even received yet. Look like to me you ought to give God praise for the blessings you already have. I need somebody to help me close here. I'm glad this morning that God let me be born in the family I was born in. Give God praise for your family. I praise God for my mama. I praise God I had a praying father. My daddy would get down on his knees at the True Light Baptist Church and call every one of us by name and tell God if you see my children walking in a way that I didn't raise them, catch them by the reins of their mind and turn them around before it's everlasting too late. And when my mother's knees got so bad and she wasn't able to get down on her knees to pray, she would sit down on the side of the bed and rub her legs while she was praying, saying, Lord, if I'm not around, if I'm dead and gone, let somebody's heart be tender towards my children. And every time somebody's nice to me, I remember my mother saying, if I'm not around, let somebody's heart be tender towards my children. I'm grateful for the family I was born in. Thank God for your family. I'm thankful for the little town I was born in. Thank God for the conditions and the surroundings under which you were born. I thank God for all my school teachers. Go on and thank God for school teachers right now. I thank God for my principals. 
I thank God for the old people who were in my life. I thank God that he let me be born a man. And if you are a woman, thank God he let you be born a woman. Don't be confused about being a man. Don't be confused about being a woman. Thank God he let you be born a man. And he let you be born a woman. But I'm not just grateful for where I was born. I'm not just grateful for my mother and my father. I'm not just grateful for the little town I was born in. I'm not just grateful for my school teachers and my principals. I'm not just grateful that I'm born a man. But I thank God I'm born a black man. A man in these United States that never thought I would be anybody. All my ancestors were slaves. They had to go through the back door. But look where the Lord brought us from. Look how good God has been to us. Don't be ashamed to be a black man. Don't be ashamed to be a black woman. Black women walk around with their hips swaying. Some other people wish they had hips like that. Thank God you're a black woman. Some of the other people putting collagen in their lips. Thank God you got thick, pretty lips. Some of them try to make their hair look like your hair. Thank God for your hair. Thank God for your nose. Thank God black women walk like they listening to music. Thank God they bounce when they walk. Thank God for that young black boy who knows how to bounce when he walks. Before our children can speak, they learn how to dance because we just happy people. We just excited people because God's been good to us. I don't just thank God for where I was raised. I don't just thank God for my mother and father. I don't just thank God for the little town I was born in. I don't just thank God for my school teachers and my principal. I don't just thank him because he made me a man. I don't just thank him because he made me a black man. But I really thank him this morning. He made me a Christian black man. One Friday on a hill called Calvary. He died. Didn't he die? But early Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hand. I'm through right here. But not only am I a Christian black man, I'm a shouting Christian black man. Because what I have, God gave me. Where I am, God brought me. What I know, God taught me. Is there anybody here happy this morning? Is there anybody here saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit? Why don't you let somebody know? That's what he said in verse 14. I will pay my vows in the presence of all the people. I'm not just going to shout in the car. I'm not just going to shout in my office. I'm not just going to shout in my house. I'm going to come to church at Lily Grove Sunday morning. 
lift my hands, open my mouth, and tell God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I'm need a witness right now I open my mouth to the Lord and I won't turn back I will go I shall go to see what the end's gonna be won't he make a way won't he drive out your fear won't he make your enemy your footstool won't he bring you out tell him thank you why don't you look at somebody why don't you tell your neighbor you don't know like I know you can't tell it like I can't tell it what the Lord hey, what the Lord I shall I render? What can I give God for all his benefits? What can I bring God for all his benefits? <laughs> 
I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to open my mouth. And I'm going to lift glad hands. And tell God I can't pay you for all you've done for me. I just want to say thank you. Hmm. When, 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 Victoria, when Victoria graduated from college in New Orleans at Dillard, we went out to dinner after graduation. And she was so moved because it took her longer than I thought it should have taken her to get out of school. But she, she finally went across the stage. Like my mama said, got her diploma. Graduated from college. We went to dinner and she hugged me, grabbed me, hugged me, said, Daddy, I want to pay you. I want to pay you back for all you've done for me. Tears welled up in my eyes because I knew she was drunk on graduation euphoria. I knew she was caught up to the third heaven on graduation euphoria. And when she told me that, I thought about to myself, I didn't tell her, I said to myself, how can you thank me for sleeping under your crib when you couldn't sleep? How can you thank me for when your stomach was upset at three months and I put you on my chest and you went to sleep until morning? How can you thank me that when you hurt your finger when I closed the door, you screamed and took it out and gave it to me, I kissed it and you went back and played in your room? How can you thank me for the nights that I set up with you when you had a fever? And I wouldn't go to bed till the fever broke. How, how can you thank me? For while you slept, I was praying. What can you give me for all I've done for you? All you can say is thank you. Let's lift that a little higher. How can I thank God for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace, for being patient with me? I can't thank God for what he's done for me. But what I can say is, Lord, I thank you.